Welcome to Fright Night for real. Yes. Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to Jake's Review Corner, the only review corner that will not stop until they stop making the pirate burrito. Well, what's the pirate burrito? What if I told you there was a burrito that had steak, bacon, and queso? That's right. We live in a world where they don't let you have that. But I'm in Crossville, Tennessee this weekend, and I'm so glad to welcome my guest, uh, Mr. Brian Jones. Brian, say hi. How you doing, guys? Glad to be on the podcast. Excited because my pirate burrito is processing nicely. We had a couple for lunch. And uh, if, if that thing, I know it, you sold it beautifully to the, to the listeners, the, the steak, bacon, queso, perfect cornerstones of any burrito meal, but... If that thing goes the wrong way, if you have the wrong amount of sauce, if you want too many nacho chips in there with it and that thing decides to turn on you, it'll ruin your podcast, that's for sure. Oh my gosh. We're doing the podcast, you might hear a couple of different sounds coming through our stomachs. Um, Brian's last name is Jones and his first name is Brian, so we call him BJ, which must have been a really unfortunate nickname growing up. You know, funny you say that, it really never was an issue until I started spending significant time with a couple of guys that you know, John McCready and John Roethlisberger. It wasn't ever an issue then either. Um, but uh, let's just say a little more light was shed on the industries. <laughs> and, you know, you just roll with it. You just get, you go with it. Um, with those two, if they're not hacking on you or giving you a hard time, that's when you get worried. So, um yeah, but it's it's a good segue into a conversation. If someone's like, "Yeah, I can't believe my mom named me Derek," and I'm like, "Derek, that you got a problem with Derek?" My initials are BJ, so whatever, it's all good. Uh, today we are talking about one of my all-time favorite movies of all time, the 1985 classic *Fright Night*, directed by Tom Holland. No, not Spider-Man. Tom Holland, the movie director. Um, BJ, you obviously grew up in the 80s. Uh, if you didn't know, BJ is my 45-year-old best friend. What was your first experience with this movie? Did you see it in theaters or were you like a blockbuster kid type of deal? It was definitely a blockbuster kid type of deal. And I can vividly remember, I imagine most of our listeners uh, probably never went into a video store, a VHS store, um, maybe a blockbuster, but I doubt it. Um, I can remember walking in and that they would have not only the movies on a shelf for, so you could select what you wanted to rent, but they would have the movie cover with Fright Night, the movie poster, which I think is just one of the more epic movie posters, was the cover of the movie. And it was, it's this vampire's face, like laid into clouds above this house uh, in, on a dark night. And it was just captivating. I was immediately, I'm going to guess I was 11. So this is maybe like 88 1988, I saw this as an 11-year-old, and I was immediately interested, totally terrified, um, and when I finally did get to watch it, which wasn't long after that, it completely delivered on both of those. It was completely entertaining, and I was, you know, pissing my pants the whole time. It was awesome. It was perfect. Oh my god, you mentioned Blockbuster. I miss Blockbuster so much, because I, I used to go to Blockbuster religiously with my family. Between my home, there were two Blockbusters not even a mile away. Oh my gosh. 
Um, my first experience with Fright Night actually wasn't with this one. It was with the remake. Um, I was in seventh grade. This was around the time my parents started letting me watch South Park on Comedy Central. So probably not their best decision. It's okay. <laughs> and they started doing these ads for this movie coming out. And I mean, it had Anton Yelton, um, Colin Firth, uh, David Tennant, who I was also in the Doctor Who at the time. So I knew them. And I was like, wow, this seems awesome i saw the trailer and of course me being seventh grade and this being r-rated i was not allowed to watch it so years later i also want to preference i've never i was never really into horror as a kid i was i was a really big like scaredy cat like i was a scaredy cat too i think a lot of kids are but i think there's a difference like i was the kid that was i if you gave me a flashlight I would go into that dark room or I would look under the bed or look in the closet and I would look for that monster. But the whole time I'm shaking and I'm just praying to God the flashlight doesn't go out. And so I was, I was teetering on the edge. I was definitely a scaredy cat. I had my share of nights where you get tucked into bed, the light goes off and you count to 10 and immediately kick the covers off, jump out of bed, go jump in bed with mom and dad. I did that as much as anybody, but I was so interested. And again, to go back to that, Poster, movie poster for Friday Night and that cover. It's so cool. Hopefully you guys are Googling what it looks like right now. It's so cool. It, even though it's dated, it's 1985, but it's it looks so cool. And you can see, like I've shown it to my kid. My kid's six. And she's like, is that a monster? She's all interested in it. But of course it's scary. So she's like, you know, admiring it from a distance. It so. definitely is, in like my opinion, one of the best movie posters to demonstrate what the movie is. It is it, it, it doesn't it doesn't show you the main character. Definitely. It doesn't show you any of the supporting cast. You just Correct. see a house and in the house is a single silhouette of a man looking out and then yeah. just a giant like cloud of demons and it's stuff. It's amazing. It's amazing. And and again to circle back to your original point, you're talking about not being a real horror movie buff. It could be a real good intro to horror movies because it's got some really cool special effects. This is definitely pre-CGI. You're not going to see a lot of uh, generated... Everything was shot in camera. All the the effects were were makeup and things that they did in... Little movie stunts they did in camera. Um, So it's a little cheesy. But again, I watched it when I was 11 or 12. My six-year-old would probably watch it and and get a laugh she would be entertained though i think she would enjoy it it would be a little spooky to her but i think she would yeah but your it. your daughter is just built different she's, oh, when, she's I, a nut, yeah. when i was a kid i had there was one point in my life oh god it was terrible um and it all kind of it doesn't have anything to do with vampires that everything to do with a movie that tom holland is also related to child's play as a young kid i watched a single scene from that movie where chucky just Goes for the jugular and takes out a guy. And I think I spent, I was in fifth grade. I spent maybe a month just sleeping on my parents' floor. I, I had like, re- I had reoccurring nightmares at Chuck. I mean, it was, it was something. And then of course being a kid, I got like fascinated on something else. I just forgot about Chucky. But now I, I look back on myself then I'm like, come on kid, <laughs> grow some balls. Exactly. Exactly. Chucky's not real. Well, and then to that point, you know, Tom Holland is obviously good at what he does as a director and the original Child's Play is a good movie, um, and it's it's a classic, I think. Um, again, when I saw that, not to get too far away from Fright Night, but when I first saw that, it was cool, but I also looked at Chucky. He is a doll that, that has this, this demon presence in him or whatever, and, and I thought, yeah, he's got the little knife, and he's, he's kind of mean, but... Anything that you can punt like a soccer ball, is it that dangerous? That was yeah, but thoughts. it's almost... 
you almost need Fright Night for Child's Play because this is how Tom Holland, who went on to do, who went on to do Child's Play, got Chris Sarandon for that movie to play exactly, the detective. Exactly. exactly. Um, guys, real quick, real quick segue before you get going. Um, I just want to confirm it because I, I know you've done some some research on this movie. I have too. Did you, is it right that Jerry Dandridge, the main vampire character played by Chris Sarandon, I read that Chris Sarandon didn't want any part of this movie. Yeah, he didn't. He he was like, I don't want to play a vampire. I don't want to have like teeth and nails and the and get out of a coffin and the whole thing. And Tom Holland, the script is what sold him on it. Like, okay, total one eighty. I want to do the movie because he read the script. And another thing was, uh, this was Tom Holland's first movie. He had done, you know, this was his first solo movie. Um, he was actually an actor, and then he turned screenwriter. He actually wrote the screenplay. For uh, Psycho 2, which awesome. brought Anthony Perkins back into the role yep. of Norman Bates. And basically, Chris Sarandon uh, met and he read the script and he's like, look, I'll do this, but we need to add a couple things to the Jerry. And that's why, uh, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen this movie from the 80s, um, Jerry's almost always walking around eating fruit because he's like, I want to add, you know, some fruit back to him, like make him mysterious and like kind of give him like that love interest type of deal, like... I don't know. I want to know if Chris Randon was the guy who was like, you know what we need in this movie? An eight-minute hypnotism dance sequence where I just gyrate on this 18-year-old. What what 80s movie is not... I mean, I bet if we go back and watch Mannequin, there's one in there, right? There's got to be a... Probably not. But, probably um, not. <laughs> but um, Chris Randon, another amazing bad guy. Um, most people would know him from... Um, he's Prince Humperdinck in The Princess Bride. Um, a lot of people don't know. He did the voice for Jack Skellington. In a Nightmare Before Christmas, um, I didn't know that until I watched the the uh, how the did special, this get made the special on on Netflix. Um, uh, by the way, we don't get any money for Netflix. We just gave that shout out for for free. Um, but uh, just amazing that he's in this role, and I think it's cool that he did a one eighty and wanted to be a vampire after reading the script. And if you don't take into account his amazing wardrobe in this movie, I mean, it is. When you watch 10 minutes into this movie, you're going to want to buy a sweater with shoulder pads. You, you, you want the red scarf. Exactly. The rain jacket. with The, the platform the, shoes. It's incredible. It's incredible. But he completely nails this movie. Um, and that, that sentence brings me to what I really wanted to say. Overall, like my favorite thing about this movie is probably the fact that it is so believable amongst all the ridiculous things you're seeing. You're seeing vampires and you're seeing crosses and you're seeing um, bats and people change into bats and all this stuff. It's nuts. But these actors do such a good job. It's like they did this as a play for a year and then at the end of the year shot a movie and it was seamless. It's like they didn't even need to read their lives. It was, it was perfect. They did such a good job. They all said to each other, you know what? This is the only uh, big thing I ever want to do in my life. Exactly. We're done. We're done. <laughs> One and done. All right, guys. Well, I'm going to read you the film synopsis. Sanufis from the back of the DVD cover. It's like you had to say the the, the word Worcestershire. Worcestershire. <laughs> <laughs> I read one time a list. It was like top three things, that the top three hardest things to say in life. Um, I love you. I'm sorry. And Worcestershire. It was, but it was, and it was spelled incorrectly on purpose as if someone was... Reading it incorrectly, which that was, they got to be left. All right. According to the official Fright Night DVD back cover, this is the film synopsis. Meet Jerry Dandridge. He's sweet, sexy, and he likes to sleep in late. 
I'm going to steal that for my uh, Tinder profile. You might think he's the perfect neighbor, but before inviting Jerry in for the nightcap, there's just one thing you should know. Jerry prefers his drinks warm, red, and just straight from the jugular. It's Fright Night, a horrific house starring Chris Randon as the seductive vampire and William Ragsdale as the frantic teenager struggling to keep Jerry deadly fangs out of his neck. Only 17-year-old Charlie Brewster knows Jerry's blood-curdling secret. When Charlie can't get anybody to believe him, he turns to TV horror host Peter Vincent, who used to be the great vampire killer of movies. Can these mortals save Charlie and his sweetheart Amy from the wrathful bloodsuckers toothly embrace? If you love being scared, Fright Night will give you the nightmare of your life. Um... I'd say pretty good synopsis. Kind of, except for the word synopsis, you crushed that read. Um, <laughs> uh, so again, again, the setup, and then again, we're, I'm trying to tie it back into what I said earlier. Perfect, like beginner, scary movie for a kid, for a young person. Um, the setup is so simple and so genius in my mind. You've got this kid that watches this show called Fright Night. And it's got this guy, Peter Vincent, who is on the show, a vampire killer, you know, fights demons and werewolves and whatever. Um, the kid has a vivid imagination because he's into this show. He's a really big horror fan. And then, oh, by the way, he's pretty darn certain a real vampire moves in next door. So now he's got a vivid imagination. He's into horror movies. He's got this kind of a, a connection with this, this Peter Vincent guy. He's never met him, but he's, he admires him. And he's like, I need to get this guy on the phone because I might have a real vampire next door. It's awesome. It, it kind of sets up this in your mind. Like, it's totally awesome to have this cheesy horror world. Um, I say cheesy now because looking back on it, that's what it is. At the time, though, it was a it's an awesome, scary movie. But it they kind of did it in a in a friendly way, I don't, in, in like a like a lighthearted kind of a way. I don't know how to a better way to say that, but. It's so easy to digest the scary parts of this movie. They're great. Yeah, and um, from what um, I watched, the uh, "You're So Cool" Brewster. It's a documentary <laughs> movie yes. on this yes. uh, on Fright Night. And Tom Holland, when they showed the trailer, Tom was like, "Hey, this is a really great tra- trailer. I really enjoy it." You know, this movie is a little funny at times. They're like, "Yeah, um, no, we're going with the scary aspect." Right. Exactly. And, and and that's another thing I read when Tom Holland was working on the movie. It was a laugh for him the whole time. Like he's literally like uh, he writes a, a, a cool part, but it, to him it's hilarious the whole time he's writing the movie. And when he goes to make the movie again, it's, it's a scary movie, but in his eyes, he was like, yeah, it's kind of like a scary comedy kind of thing. It's like, it's got gags and yeah. And, it, and, it, and some of the, some of the horror, some of the, the makeup and stuff is so over the top. It is a little ridiculous. It is like, but that's what makes it fun to to watch. And so. I almost, I almost want to say, Fright Night kind of re pioneered the vampire genre because I can't, you know, no, I've never been a huge vampire person, but I mean, like, think about what came two years after Fright Night in '87. You got the Lost Boys, which I'm not saying they had any influence from this movie, but I feel like this is the one that kicked it off. And obviously, you can't even escape vampires nowadays. I mean. They're on your CW network. Um, gosh, I hope, you know, we all remember they're Twilight. Writing, they're writing diaries. I mean, for crying out loud. <laughs> they're all legacies. What, what a, you know, real quick segue. I, in my mind, I've not watched the Vampire Diaries ever at all. I know nothing about it. But again, in my mind, what I know of vampires and their relentless pursuit of, A, survival, which means they have to drink blood, 
at what point, and I, maybe because they live for hundreds and hundreds of years and they got nothing to do, at what point do they get so melancholy? They're like, yeah, I'm going to pick up this book and jot down my feels real quick. Like, really? The vampire? Come on. Well, for, my mom my mom and sister were super into that show at one point. I remember they showed me A lot me of it, people were super and into And like, I'm just watching it, and I'm like... Where's the diary, man? That doesn't make sense. You know, if I wanted to watch Diary of a Wimpy Kid right now, they would have a diary, but I never once saw a diary in Vampire it just Diaries. Doesn't, it just doesn't make sense. I'm I was not lied saying, to. I'm not saying it's not loved, it's not popular, I'm not saying it's not awesome. I'm just saying it doesn't make sense. Like, like Easter, for example, wonderful holiday. We celebrate it, we love it. But my kids are like, you know, there's crucifixion, resurrection, and then how did we get to... Chocolate bunnies and little colored eggs. And my kids are like, what is this? Bunnies don't even lay eggs. Well, I don't understand. Like, that's the thing. It's, it's amazing, but it doesn't make sense. Don't you know that the Easter bunny is just one giant metaphor for Jesus Christ <laughs> reawakening in the chocolate? Well, that's a, a metaphor for chocolate. <laughs> Probably for another podcast. Um, another thing I wanted to mention, you mentioned uh, William Ragsdale. Real cool fun fact. He auditioned for this movie, and when he got the call that he was going to get the part, it was on Halloween. So I thought that was kind of neat well, you, that he got that call for to make a scary well, movie. Well, you know who also um, auditioned for this movie and just was told no immediately was Charlie Sheen showed up, and he actually was trying to wow. read for the part of Charlie Brewster, and Tom Holland was like, dude, you are too handsome to be believable to be the boy next door. Exactly, and, exactly. Uh, it's just not going to work out. Speaking of the boy next door, which I'm going to switch over to the girl next door, uh, Amy, played by Amanda Bierce, who most people would know as Marcy. Marcy Darcy. Yeah, Marcy Darcy on Married with Children. Again, 12-year-old me watching this movie, it's 1988, that would, I'm guessing she would be around 28, 29 years old. I was, not to make the podcast weird, but I was so hot for teacher watching Amanda Bierce on that movie. I was like, yeah, I get it. I would I would I, be her boyfriend in a second. And then in the beginning of the movie, you know, they're they're being all lovey dovey and 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 then Charlie t- changes his attention to this to this there's a vampire living next door. He's got his binoculars out, he's watching these people be all shady, and there's this cute girl in his room, and I'm like, dude, you've lost your mind. I would let a vampire straight murder me i would i would be so focused on amanda beers but that's you know neither here nor there that's just a little sharing of of uh of an actress that i looked up to and was like man if she ever if i ever met her i would faint she was that beautiful and i was that taken by her so that's how i feel about the girl from uh karate kid though no. <laughs> <laughs> i knew you were gonna do that i would definitely let cobra guy kick me in the face if i got to like take this girl to an amusement park, but I, my mom obviously has to drive us. Can we just real quick talk about adventure and babysitting? Can we segue from oh, fun? Oh, <laughs> yeah. We better not. We better not. All right, jumping into the plot. The movie opens up with Charlie and Amy in bed. Uh, what's on the television screen? Fright Night, a nightly show hosted by Peter Vincent, a former actor who used to do vampire movies. Charlie and Amy are getting it on. Charlie's hoping to finally seal the deal after a year. Amy's very hesitant, but she starts to come along to the idea when Charlie notices outside of his window, his new neighbor moving in with a very slight interesting thing. They're moving a coffin into their basement. Which, I mean, if I saw that, I'd be like, huh, neat, cool, Amy, what are we doing? Exactly. exactly. <laughs> what are we getting into, Amy? Exactly. They, they, again, Tom Holland, I think he wrote the movie great. He did a great job filling the gaps there. 12-year-old me would be like stars in my eyes staring at Amanda Beers uh, in my room, who's 
it looked amazing in that movie. Um, and kudos to her. If she's like 29 years old and she's playing an 18 year old, good on you. Forever young, that girl. I mean, she's probably in her 60s now. Probably hasn't aged a day. So that's amazing. Another character that's in this movie, and I know you're going to get to him, um, Evil Ed. While we were talking about fun facts, their friend, Amy and Charlie's friend, Evil Ed in the movie, apparently this guy, I can't remember the actor's name, he shared uh, an agent with Anthony Michael Hall. Yeah. And this agent was going to send this actor, the actor who plays Evil Ed, to go audition for Weird Science. But she messed up like the day and time or some kind of snafu uh, with the scheduling and sent him to here. He auditions for this and gets the part. And, and he's in this movie. And again, to your point earlier in the, in the show, you said, yeah, this movie was so great. These guys went on to do absolutely nothing else. This guy, I don't think you'll find him in another. He's not on a wanted poster. He's not. He like, did a movie which, oh my gosh, I'm trying to remember the name. And it's like. Is it a movie that's on YouTube in its entirety with absolutely no ads? I think so. Probably. It's, and they're not taking it down anytime it's, it's soon. Like, right? it's, that, it's that obscure. It's a movie where basically like they dial a number. It's like dial 666 and they can like get in contact with satan i don't know we're we're getting off topic sounds like a winner (laughs) so amy obviously decides to leave the house Uh, charlie's chasing her out that's when charlie finds out from his mom that they have a new neighbor and before the screen fades to black to go to the next scene we can very eerily hear the news report that there's been a dead body sighting the next day at school we meet charlie's best friend evil ed who is bragging to Charlie about how he did a good job on his test, and Charlie, well, I guess sucks. I mean, that's what you get when you have a girlfriend, I guess. Amy's pissed off at Charlie, won't (laughs) talk to him, to which Evil Ed says, Aw, did she find out what you're really all about? Well, it's the 80s, Ed, so, I mean, is it really that much hiding? um, I love, in any movie, I love characters that do such a good job driving your emotions right where they want you to. Um, I think of like Joffrey in Game of Thrones. Go find me anybody that enjoyed that character. There's tons of fans of the show that will say, man, what a performance. I hated that guy. But it always ends on, I hated King Joffrey. I hated that character. <laughs> I hated, God, when he got killed, I, spoiler alert, when he died, I loved you. So, um, and that's what Evil Ed did for me. Like, Evil Ed is just, he's a prick. Like, he's, He's awful. Like he's there the he is. perfect in character the, in the movie. He's their friend, and from start to finish, I watch this movie and I'm like, in what way is he their friend? I think they're his friend. I think he's got zero friends, and they're the ones that take pity on me. He's awful. Like he's always cracking jokes. He's mean to people. He's he doesn't say a single thing that's endearing. He doesn't do anything that's endearing. I feel like I feel like him and Charlie were probably like grade school best friends, and as soon as they got to high school. Charlie gets a girlfriend and, you know, he's probably moving up in the social classes, but all Ed has is kind of the horror movies and he can't make any new friends because of... That's a fantastic take. Um, And again, if you... I hate to keep beating a dead horse here and I hate to compare Amy to a dead horse, but if you see Amanda Beers in this movie and you're like, yeah, if you're Charlie, you do the same thing. This cute girl winks at you. Of course, you're going to pay attention to her. But if you're evil Ed and your buddy from grade school just dipped on you to go hang out with this girl, I can see where you'd be a little sour. But it's not even just that. It'd be one thing if he was only being awful to Charlie for that reason. He's he's just rotten through and through the whole movie. And when he kind of gets his comeuppance later in the movie, you're like, good. <laughs> I, I've heard, I have heard people say, 
man, I felt sorry for that guy. And I'm like, you felt sorry for him? Yeah, it was now. me. Like, <laughs> like, I, I didn't feel sorry for him at all. Like, so naturally, the next scene in the movie is Charlie drives home. And a hooker shows up to his house and goes, hey, is this a 901? And he goes, no, that's actually uh, next door. Hooker goes into the house. Um, As Charlie is studying that night, you just hear this super dramatic scream as he peers over to this uh, house that's like engusted with wind. And you can already sense like, man, Jerry is into some freaky stuff. (laughs) The vampire took down the hooker, which that's, that's... That's definitely a modern Classy. take. That's definitely a mod- <laughs> it's definitely a modern take on vampires. Like, hey, you know, they're all mysterious and they change into bats and they. I'm not going to say they use magic, but there's definitely some some uh, some smoke and mirrors going on with vampires. But this guy, he's I, does Jerry Dandridge have a fridge with the magnets on it? Like, there's the Domino's pizza magnet. It's kind of diagonal. He's got a couple of other magnets that like they're fruit shaped that hold pictures. And, and then over in the corner, there's like the hookers are us. And he's, uh, he's got, <laughs> he, he like pulls off a new number. He's like, ah, oh, yes, Bethany, uh, blonde, um, skinny, uh, that neck. Point, yeah. At that point, I will say this. At that point, the movie kind of took a turn. Again, a lot of this, when I was a kid watching it, went over my head. Um, you know, when, when Charlie and Amy are being intimate in the very beginning of the movie, I was like, I don't know what's going on. I just know she's cute and you're paying attention to the coffin. What's wrong with you? When the hooker shows up, I don't, I'm thinking maybe she's Aunt Bethany. Maybe she's a cousin. Or <laughs> I didn't know. It wasn't until later. Maybe I was about to go to college and I was like, oh, Jerry, you nut you. But um, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. And then um, the next day, uh, Charlie is still, he's studying, but he's also very much, you can tell that he's, a little off. He doesn't understand what happened last night. Amy shows up and she wants to apologize for how she's been ignoring him. And it kind of seems like they're about to like rekindle. But then immediately on the news, you see the face of the woman that went to uh, his neighbors last night. And Charlie is starting to piece together like that was that was the girl I saw. Uh, Amy is just pissed off that Charlie won't listen to her. Smashes his face in with... Which I thought it was a pie. I guess it was a cheeseburger. Yes, and then you get, you get mustard, Evil yeah. Ed's iconic laugh in like my favorite line from the movie, which is "You're so cool, Brewster." <laughs> well, it, that might be the only time in a in a feature film when a hamburger was used, like like the pie in the face. Like, well, it looks yet? like it looks like chili. It looks but, like well, chi- and it's got this if you, if you chili burger. <laughs> you run it back, and it could there could have been some chili, but it's got this like spiral of mustard on it. And I was like, I mean, that's what she was eating. So that's what she had. I um, guess. I mean, but, I guess. but the eighties were different. Definitely different. She didn't smack him in the face. She didn't just stomp off. She was like, Nope, I got to put this burger in his pie hole. And that's what she did. And the, yeah, but any segues to that next part, that is a great line from evil Ed, but man, the every step he takes further in this movie, you're just looking at him like, when does this poor sucker get it? Cause he, <laughs> cause he's, he's the worst. So after uh, seeing the hookers face on the news, Charlie resorts to spying. He wants to find out what's really going on. And you see Chris Sarandon, Jerry the Vampire, getting it on with a uh, new girl. Uh, William Ragsdale as Charlie plays it perfectly. He's like, oh, yeah, I'm not going on the pay-per-view TV tonight. I got it. You see, you see some topless tonkers, and then you see vampire teeth. And he's like, whoa, wait, that's why I was spying in the first place. Again, things you never thought you'd say into a microphone <laughs> when they see the dead hooker's face on the news. Um, so, yeah, that's a that's an awkward moment for me watching this movie 
The next girl that arrives at the vampire's house, vampire brings her upstairs. I don't know if they did dinner. Maybe they had fruit. Apparently that was important to Chris Sarandon. But uh, um, yeah, he's kind of like making his moves on this girl and then out come the teeth. He gets her top off and then out come the teeth, which that's a, that begs another question. Like, I don't, like, if I had a burger in front of me right now, like, it, you know, hamburger bun, lettuce, tomato... Do I undress it and then eat it? It just doesn't make sense. I don't know. Um, maybe I'm going too far. He, maybe he's playing with his food. <laughs> I don't know. You know, according to the cover... He's, he's playing with something. According to the cover, it says, Meet Jerry Dandridge. He's sweet, sexy, and he likes to sleep in late. That's incredible. Um, speaking of, I think Chris Sarandon, that actor, was married like six or seven times. Not that many. I mean, not as many times as Jennifer Lopez. hey But, uh... uh I believe it. He, but he's a good-looking guy, so you're like, yeah, I guess. I believe he's. I it. believe it's, he's sweet, sexy, and he probably likes to sleep in late. Sure. If sure. I had to put my money on it. But that, but like to finish my thought was he's he's got this girl undressed, half undressed, and he's out come the fangs, and he's going to chomp down on her. And ch- at, before the teeth come out, Charlie's watching this scene unfold. Like, yeah, this is awesome. He's like, this is his version of Cinemax, and then. <laughs> And then all of a sudden, you can hear like the needle drag across the record. Like, no, 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 I'm watching a vampire. Come back. No, 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 no. This is terrible. This is awful. This girl's going to die. Um, but it was awkward. I'm like, what's going on here? Is this supposed to be sensuous? Yeah. Is it scary? What's and going then, on? And uh, then Jerry Jerry notices him. They make eye contact, closes the blinds. Super weird, by the way. <laughs> uh, Charlie goes to get his mom up. He's like, mommy, mommy. He doesn't say mommy, but he's like, you got to get up. Like, oh my gosh, our vampire neighbor's a vampire. And I just figured it out. Um, his mom's like, okay, I'm going back to sleep. Charlie uh, races outside and he's spying on his neighbors and he sees them kind of pulling the dead body into the car. And that's when, you know, Charlie's really getting a good look at it. And you just hear his mom calling from him and he comes eye to eye with the neighbors. And at that moment, you know, oh crap, it's now officially go time. Yes, exactly. I can honestly say, speaking of go time, I've never been in this situation. I hope I never am. But I can honestly say if I were ever in a scenario where I made long eye contact with a vampire that was both, I I guess, like undressing and eating (laughs) his victim. And we had that that moment where I, I would immediately leave, go out of my house, burn down my house and move to another planet i would not there's no i mean good on this character charlie brewster for doing what he did because i'd have been gone i'm like yep yep, yep, yep. yeah because his next step is the next day he calls the cop and um a cop and him inspect the house and they're like where's jerry and billy cole who is jerry's butt buddy (laughs) so now question question i got a question for you you love this movie what is billy cole billy cole is obviously a character that is protecting Jerry Dandridge during the day he's a vampire so he's got to sleep all day locked up in his coffin and that's kind of an old adage like vampires need someone to protect them while they're asleep Billy Cole is this zombie zombie undead zombie pyre but he can be in the sun vamp zombie yeah I don't get he's kind of super strong though I don't like zombies are awful but they're they're usually frail like they're not the toughest i don't know some of the powers in this movie are some real bullshit yeah they, they, they took they took some uh, liberties with, with the whole billia so of him. course uh the scenario plays out like a real like the boy who qu- the boy who cried wolf uh the cop doesn't believe him charlie has now really just exposed exposed every hand he has to billy cole um in a frantic like he looks at his watch he doesn't have um a lot of time before it obviously goes the night, he races over to Evil Ed's, 
and he's like, what do I do? Like, what can I do? And Evil Ed is like, look, you know, you're crazy, but the most important thing you can do is obviously not let him into your house because he can't enter your house if you don't let him in. And this kind of raises the question, you know, they preach that Charlie is this huge horror fan, but yet he's going to Evil Ed about the right. horror. So it kind of makes you think, well, is Evil Ed more the horror fan and Charlie kind of grew out of it and is really just more interested in girls now. Right. So, to, you know, another quick segue, you go to Lost Boys. Lost Boys is a, a fantastic movie where in that movie, um, uh, the kid the kid in the same situation is like, there's this guy next door. I think he might be a vampire. I don't want him in my house. He goes and seeks out these comic book guys that have these horror comics and are the experts on it. So, yeah, I thought the same thing. I thought, like, if if Charlie Brewster is so into this show, wouldn't he kind of, yeah, you're scared. Wow, there's a real vampire next door. But then you kind of snap out of it and go back to what you know, which, why would you go talk to this D-bag evil Ed? God, he's the worst. I just, this is this has become like an evil Ed bash. Say, oh, my God. Like, <laughs> I mean, if they cut him out of the movie, if they got rid of him, if they totally got rid of him, you, you'd still enjoy the movie. I, I, you, uh, for me, you need him in the movie. And fun fact, um, this is actually a really cool idea. Tom Holland, when he was making this movie and he assembled his cast, he was like, hey, I want you to go home and I, I want you to write at least a paper about who your character is, like what their backstory is. And the guy who played Evil Ed was the only person who didn't write like anything. Even the guy who plays the cop, who's in the movie for four to five minutes, went back and wrote about his time as a cop and the evil Ed guy was like, "Oh no, I didn't take him seriously." And maybe that's why. Perfect. Maybe that's why evil Ed is just amazing, a one-dimensional, amazing, one, just a one-dimensional douchebag. That's what he is. That's he's that guy. And, and you don't, and you don't need anything more from his character. No, in my it, I, I agree. He definitely feels a, a role in that movie. So evil Ed tells Charlie the most important thing you can do: don't let him into the house. Charlie goes home. You see him like hammering down his bed uh, window, and I mean he feels confident. And then he walks downstairs, and who has his mom let into the house? Jerry Dandridge. And this is also the first time Charlie talks to Jerry Dandridge, and like you can tell that he is just like. Oh, I'm trying to think of the word. He's confident. He's like very uh, charismatic. You yeah. know, yeah. he is the like, he seems like the perfect neighbor. And Charlie's just like, what have you done? <laughs> you've let, yeah, you've let this demon in. No, it's, it's perfect. Again, Chris Sarandon crushed this role. He was the perfect vampire. So suave. So confident. Yeah, he's, he's talking sweet to the mom. He's got the mom eating out of his hand. Um, Charlie is literally standing there in the same room, pissing himself because this guy's in his house now. Um, that leads to the next scene when they're upstairs and I, I, like you said earlier in the movie they had kind of locked eyes and they know like you know Charlie knows he's a vampire Jerry Dandridge knows that Charlie knows he's a vampire and then it escalates to this moment where Jerry's now in the house and he confronts Charlie upstairs and there's this like all right this is it I'm gonna take you down and it's again it leads to one of the more surprising parts of the movie you're a vampire you, you can't be killed other than just a couple of vices. Like, you've got this teenage kid that you're just getting ready to gut. And the mom is downstairs and is like, Charlie, and starts calling his name. And that kind of stops Jerry Dandridge in his tracks. And to this day, I'm like, yeah, it would have ruined the movie. But, like, why wouldn't he just croak both of them there? We just saw earlier in the movie how he was running through prostitutes. <laughs> like, he was just so like, he So here's my theory because he also... Like, when he breaks into the house and he starts strangling Charlie, he, yes. gi he gives him a choice. He goes, look, I'm going to give you a choice that I I have to give you this choice. 
forget about me. Just forget about me. Right. I won't come near you and your sure. family. <laughs> and just let me like let me live my day. And it's like in that moment, I'm like. He is doing more than he wants, but I, I get it. He wants a low profile. That's why he's going after prostitutes. You know, yeah. he's going after people that won't be able to trace back. And I think he knows if he kills the Brewsters, they'll go. Yeah, there's going to be point. a big thing. And he Too already safe. he already called the cop, so the cop is aware that he's terrified. But Jerry Dandridge is just trying to. He's trying to give him that leap of faith. He's like, "Look, I'm going to trust you." Uh, Charlie says F that, stabs him in the hand, and you get this look into, like, his full vampire mode. Which is amazing. That, that's where the special effects and the makeup kind of kick in. And, again, if you go back to, I'm sure you can find pictures of it online, the original movie cover, uh, the pictures on the back of the movie cover, and it was just like, you get, like, a little bit of a glimpse of what this vampire is going to look like. And it is awesome. It's awesome. And, again, as a kid, I'm watching this, and I'm going... I do not want to watch this, but I have to watch I have it. to finish it. I have it. to watch this. And, and that was, that was the movie from there really takes off for me. Well, and then uh, one of my, like, one of my, I think my favorite scenes, okay, it's not my favorite scene, but, like, this next scene, so Jerry has left, Charlie's mom comes in, and Charlie is playing actor of the year. He's like, oh, nothing, you know, I was just studying, and the mom leaves, and the phone rings, and he's on the phone with Jerry, and Jerry's just basically like, all right. You chose. I'm coming for you. And this is when Charlie Brewster, for me, goes from boy next door to I have to be the hero and I got to kill this vampire. Amy and Ed are very worried about Charlie. Didn't show up to school. Go. And Charlie has decked out his room with garlic. Um, oh, my God. Christian candles. And he has, like, a whole bed of steaks. And they're like, Charlie, what are you going to do? And he, Charlie's like, no one else is going to take care of him. I have to do this. I have to kill him or he's going to continue. And it's like... 17-year-old Charlie Brewster, and he's just like, I'm going to do this. I have to take out the vampire. I have no other choice. Yeah, I again, 17-year-old me is raging on Super Mario Brothers. I'm playing Mario Kart. I'm not... That's the, la- the last thing I would... Going back to the choice, when, when Jerry Dandridge gives him a choice, hey, I'm going to lay low. You just look the other way, and I'm going to eat people and drink blood, and you just... You go know, back that's... to you, you go back to your girlfriend and your pizza and your in your classes. I'd have been like, "Yep, sounds good. That's that's fine." It's like, is there somewhere I can sign for this? Is there a vampire <laughs> exactly. law? Like, let's let's shake hands. Exactly. Like, man, do you want to come to dinner on Tuesday? <laughs> um, can we talk about Peter Vincent's character because the they they portray him as this older gentleman, which at the time he was definitely not this older gentleman that he plays on this show to make his hair gray, like. Did they use straight spray paint? Like, like gray it, spray? It's so... The makeup for that is so bad. Like, it's... it's the, the makeup they did for the vampires and the creatures, awesome. It's over-the-top awesome. It's I think it's kind of on par, like, the, the ridiculousness of his hair color. I just can't... Like, once he comes onto the screen, it takes me, like, five minutes of watching him to go, like, look at something else besides his head. Well, what's funny is, like... When Charlie, uh, before Charlie goes into his speech to Amy and Ed, where he goes, I'm going to kill him, he goes to approach Peter Vincent, and Peter Vincent is almost always wearing that outfit, no matter what, and I understand, so Peter explains to Charlie, he just lost Fright Night, um, they're canceling the show, and Charlie's like, 
I have a vampire next door. Like, do you believe in vampires? And, you know, Peter Vincent's like, yeah, I believe in vampires. Like, totally. And Charlie's like, will you help me kill it? And Peter's like, okay, this took a turn. (laughs) This took a turn. Um, I'm going to leave. And Charlie's like, please, look, you are the only person who knows anything about vampires. You have to help me. Peter leaves. So in that moment where Ed and Amy don't really know what they're going to do with Charlie, they actually, once again, they turn to Peter Vincent. They get his house. They go over there. And they beg him for help. And they come up with this idea where they're like, okay, Charlie's delusional. What we're going to do is we're going to call Jerry and Billy and we are going to convince them to let us do a visit where we prove that Jerry isn't a vampire. Uh, Jerry's like, I love the idea. I love it. He's like, but I have some, um, you know, I have some rules. Like, obviously don't do anything Christian. I'm a a born again Christian. Like, I'm not about that. And like, he's playing into their hand and Jerry and Billy are like, great. We don't even have to go out tomorrow. He's going to come to us. Yeah, it's perfect. No, I love the the part where the the friends unknowingly they think they're they're going to help out uh, Charlie by getting Peter Vincent to prove that this actual vampire is not a vampire. It's hilarious because everybody thinks it's a joke except for Jerry and Charlie. Who Jerry's like, great, lunch is coming to us, and Charlie is like, finally, we're gonna I'm gonna get. I'm going to get Peter Vincent into the, in front of this guy and he's going to realize he's a vampire. Yeah, and Charlie Charlie is just like, yes. Like, I got my superstar action hero coming and Peter enters the house and, you know, he's going on and then he goes to check his, like, reflection mirror, I guess for his makeup, and he notices that Jerry doesn't have a, um, a reflection. reflection. And he's like, F word. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's, it's, it's cool because when... Amy and Evil Ed are talking to Peter Vincent about, will you come set up this fake test? Um, they, they talk about that prop. He's got this, I guess it's a cigarette holder and it has a mirror in it. And Peter Vincent talks about, yeah, I used it on an episode of Fright Night to show that a vampire didn't have a reflection. And that's actually what happens when they do the fake test. They're leaving. It's like, oh yeah, we had a good time. This is great. Come on, Charlie. He's not really a vampire. And Peter Vincent unknowingly kind of flashes his mirror at Jerry Dandridge and realizes, oh, what do you know? He actually is a vampire. Holy shit. Let's get out and of here. And as soon as he does, I mean, he is out. And Charlie Charlie knows immediately. He's like, you saw you it. Like, saw I, something, I know you yeah. did. And he speeds away. Evil Ed's like, all right, I'm going home. And he's like, what do you, like, stay with the pack. Like, I'm taking Amy home and then I'm taking your home. And then yeah. Charlie, at that point, you can tell he doesn't have a plan. So as they begin home, uh, Evil Ed wants to go down an alleyway. Um, Charlie's like, don't. He goes down the alleyway. Wait, wait, oh, you left out a very key part. They're they're going home. It's dark. They're scared. Evil Ed goes down a, a corner. I was about to get to around that. Around a corner and acts like he's in trouble. Screams real loud. Charlie comes running to help him. Evil Ed was just playing a trick on him because he's a douchebag. <laughs> <laughs> and I was about to get to that. And he's like, yeah, he fakes being bit. And he's like, before you give me a hickey. Oh and God. Amy's having a laugh. Charlie's, Charlie is like... You can tell that he is suffering PTSD. Yeah, he's all over the map. He's like, you know what, man? He's a mess. You want to die? You die. Like, let's get out of here. They leave. Evil Ed begins to walk home, and he's hearing footsteps, and he's like, all right, guys. Very funny. And <laughs> Jerry Dandridge just walks out to this. Like, I also got to point out that Jerry Dandridge's soundtrack is the most, like, porno, like, scary music. Like, whenever he enters a scene, you hear the... It's that music. It's it's that music. Um, any... Any adults that's ever made a joke about the type of music they play in, during certain movies on Showtime or Cinemax, like any anybody that's heard that kind of music, that's the kind of music that D- Jerry Dandridge uh, kind of does his thing to in this movie. 
The funny thing is, he's not in an adult film. It's a vampire film, so he he gives it more of a like a mystique. He gives it a little bit more, a little more power. And I, but it that's what it is. It's adult. It's adult movie music. But but I think it, but I think it's great, and it really plays on the like you are so screwed moment of definitely, this. Definitely, definitely. So he traps Evil Ed, and he goes, "I'm not gonna kill you. I'm gonna turn you if you let me." And Evil Ed in that moment didn't show a lot of uh, pride. He's like. Yeah, man, go go for it. But you know what? That kind of speaks to the point you made earlier. You were talking about how maybe there's this great divide between Evil Ed and everyone else because he was the guy that got left out. He was the one that didn't get invited to kickball. He's the one that didn't get picked for the basketball team. He's the one that didn't meet a girl like Amy. And he immediately, you're right, he immediately, hey, can I bite your neck and turn you into a soulless vampire forever? Yeah, sure, that's good. I'll do it. And that's, uh, I'll say one thing about the 2011 uh, Fright Night remake is they make it a point in that movie where Evil Ed is actually played by uh, Christopher Mintz, who is uh, McLovin from Superbad. They make it clear that he is a loser. I mean, there's an earlier scene in that movie where, I mean, he gets just beat up and that Jerry in that movie offers him, he's like, I know you're bullied and I know all you want is power and I can give you that power. And I I feel like in that, in that remake, that's the one big point I'm going to give it is they gave a better reason for why evil ed turned so quickly i agree that good point um they made it they made you kind of sympathize with the character arc a little bit there um this evil ed the original evil ed you're he's he's naval Lent. you're just like when can we get rid of this bottle cap this guy is is tom holland listening to this podcast right <laughs> now tall. being like you totally. don't know my character no, you're right no he <laughs> should be in the movie he should be in the movie but man, he's a tough, he's a tough swallow. It's, it's Jerry, tough. T- Jerry has turned Evil Ed. Uh, Evil Ed goes after Peter at his apartment. Well, Jerry begins to um, track Charlie and Amy downtown. And like, you notice in this scene, he has super speed, like incredible speed because he keeps getting in front of them. That or he's turning into a bat and just kind of like flying in front of them. Which he should. He's a vampire. I mean, gosh, that, that goes down another hallway. If you were a vampire, and I get it, you got to feed and you got to survive. You gotta, if you had those powers, if you could go that fast and fly, I would be doing some weird, crazy, I would be like, what's the highest building I can zip up onto? I would just, I mean, I would immediately become a six-year-old and be jumping off of stuff. And, but, hey, shoot me with that cannon, like um, in uh, Shazam, the movie Shazam. <laughs> I would be, like testing my powers, like trying to figure out what I can do. Oh my God. But like, also in that scene, I, kinda, I, I understand Jerry. I mean, down to that music, like he is playing with Charlie and, he, and Charlie is just like, Charlie doesn't know it, but like at any point in that Absolutely. movie, Jerry no. could have taken him off. He like, definitely could. To go back to the fake test, if you if we circle back to when they're all at Jerry's house, Peter Vincent is trying to administer this pseudo, I'm testing if he's a vampire, even though I'm really not. And they're trying to prove to Charlie that he's not a vampire. In that scene, as soon as Jerry Dandridge sees Amy, the minute they meet... There's like some sparks there. Like yeah. Amy's like in the movie, Amy's looking at him like this is this older guy. He's really successful. He's kind of good looking. Uh, wow. This is, Which this and is- Amy also bears a very striking resemblance to one of uh, Jerry's former love interests that he has the picture over yes, hidden on correct, the wall. Correct. Correct. So, um, but Jerry also is like, who's this very, yeah, he says it. He's like, who are these? And he looks at the girl and he's like, 
who are these beautiful young people you brought to? And he's like taken by her and does not, I, I think part of it, I think you're exactly right. When he's pursuing Charlie and Amy, he's toying with Charlie and he's after Amy. He's like, I'm, yeah. I'm going to get a little bonus out of this deal. I'm going to kill him. Which leads them, her. they go into the rave. Amy's like, what are we going to do? Because now Amy's like, oh my God, he's a vampire. She freaks <laughs> out, which, yeah, she, the rest of us were peeing down her leg at the start. She just caught up to it. So Charlie, uh, once again, tries to call the police. And at this moment, we get the what I want to call the iconic vampire sequence. Um, Jerry begins to hypnotize Amy through dance. <laughs> <laughs> through sexy dance. Through sexy dance, yeah. And this is the part of the movie where Amy isn't cute little book club you know, Checkers team Amy from, you know... The, the beginning the, of the movie. From the yearbook, she becomes, like, full-on temptress Amy in, in the... So, well, I get it. If he, if he hypnotizes her and seduces her, that's fine. I'll give him that. But it's like her outfit changed. Like, she went into full... Yeah, she, she like, ripped the front off, and her and Jerry are just moving hands. And this She was a handful of glitter from being a solid gold dancer. She was right there. I mean, it was about to take that turn and to, to your point the fact that he used like hypnotic vampire sexy dance to get to to to, to get her well and he's so he's hypnotizing her with the first one and then when give it up by champagne comes on here i'm gonna play a little bit of a segment of it that's when amy really starts getting into it and you know she's dancing and then as she's doing a turn, you can see in the mirror that there's no reflection. And once again, she's surprised, but it's like, we already know this. We, like, we're we good. We're, we're there. Yeah, it's awesome. It's, she's, it's good. She's good. It's kind of like when you're at Waffle House and you order the All-Star. And if, if you've never had the All-Star before, like, first of all, what are you listening to this podcast for? You go to Waffle House right now and order an All-Star. But um, it's Sponsored the waf- by Waffle House. It's the Waffle, <laughs> it's the waffle it's the hash browns, double order hash browns. You've got egg, two eggs, toast, grits. There's bacon or sausage if you chew. And if you order the all-star and you eat everything on your plate up to the waffle and then you're looking at the waffle, you don't stop and say, no, you know what? This is a bad choice. I'm not going to eat the waffle. At that point, you've gone too far with your caloric deficit. You just blew that out of the water. So you might as well eat the waffle, embrace that you're a glutton, and then go home and sleep for... 48 days. Um, that's exactly what she does. She notices that there's no reflection. He's a vampire. She comes out of it a little bit. A little bit, but then she goes right back into vampire hypnotic sex. And then Charlie <laughs> Charlie tries to get that sneak attack punch on him and he is catches that, it midair. By the way, is that too long of a hashtag? Vampire hypnotic sexy dance mode. Is that too much? That seems long. I feel like it is. It's wordy. It's, it's, we can work Let's on it. Let's just call it... <laughs> Vampire, hypnotic, <laughs> hypnotic vampire, sexy dance mode. Come on, there's a, there's something. There's Jerry, uh, Jerry's overpowering Charlie, and he goes, "You know what? I want you to bring Peter Vincent back to my house, and if you want to see Amy again, you're gonna come too." Um, they try Jerry, not Jerry. Charlie grabs Amy. They try to run. They get the security to try to help. Uh, Jerry transforms a little bit, goes for the jugular, like takes this security guard out, gets Amy. As they're leaving, Evil Ed has also come from Peter's house. He wasn't able to kill Peter because... He's awful. Well, Peter <laughs> Peter also crossed his forehead. True. Dude. So now he's got that giant-ass cross on his head. And Just to be clear for the listeners, he doesn't have a giant ass on his head. It's a, it's a cross. It's the shape of a crucifix. It's a cross. It's on his forehead. It, it's not like an ass print. It's not like, you know, like Peter Dandridge wasn't teabagging. 
<laughs> that would have been a very, very different Fright Night. But I mean, I'm sure the sexy music would have been a part of it. Even more frightening Fright Night. Uh, Charlie comes outside, and that's when Charlie also comes face to face with Evil Ed, who has been transformed and pointing at Charlie and yes. laughing. And you're you're kind of like, okay, so wait, is Evil Ed like fully hypnotized too, or is this just Evil Ed? Right. Exactly. I it's yeah, so- it, 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 it does raise the question of like at what point, yeah, he's got the teeth and he's obviously reacted negatively to the cross being pushed on his skin, but he still seems like when you see Jerry Dandridge vamp out in the club, going back to the nightclub, when he shows his fangs and he shows his claws and his eyes go red and he just like tears that guy's throat out, um, you're like, whoa, this, this, this is a formidable opponent here. When... Evil Ed gets the teeth, and he's kind of growling and making noise. You're like, where is this kid's parents? Somebody get get this toddler out of here. (laughs) Well, oh my gosh, and his vampire mode almost needs braces. (laughs) He got like the one crooked teeth going up his mouth. Those things, yeah, he was definitely pushing on those on those uh, those chiclets with his with his tongue. There's no doubt. Charlie goes and he gets um, Charlie goes to Peter and he's like look man they're gonna kill Amy I need your help and Peter's like dude I am so sorry but I'm out of here like good luck um, Jerry turns Amy by biting her of course after another like sexy three minute like back and forth <laughs> Charlie uh, starts walking towards the house and that's where Peter shows up and he goes I liked your pep talk I'm in Peter Dandridge, or no, <laughs> Peter Vincent, vampire killer is here. And at this point, Charlie's like, go home, man. Like, if you're going to help, help. But I, I'm going in and I'm saving my girlfriend. Exactly. They enter the house. We also get the very now iconic uh, Chris Sarandon, Jerry Dandridge going, welcome to Fright Night for, for real. That is, my, that is my line of the movie. Because that's, that's kind of how the movie starts off. In the beginning of the movie, Charlie Brewster's watching Peter Vincent in this show. And at the start of his show, he's like, welcome to Fright Night. And for Jerry Dandridge, his character, to reference the show, basically telling Peter Vincent, I know you're an actor. I know you're not the real thing. I'm the real thing. Yeah. And this is Fright Night for, for real. real. And then it's it's just a mono mono kind of like, all right, let's do this. Let's, yeah, let's. and then like immediately after, Peter tries to do the cross on Jerry and it doesn't work like it did on Evil Ed. And Charlie does the cross and Billy Cole just sideswipes Charlie down the stairs, knocked out. <laughs> Peter Vincent just looks up and he does what any great American would have done. He gets the, like, he, he pulls it. He's like, ah, I got it. Yeah. So he decides to go next door to Charlie's house to get the mom. The mom's not there. She's working late. But Evil Ed's there waiting for Peter Vincent. It's time for round two. Okay, once again, going back to this, the vampire powers in this movie are bullshit. Because Evil Ed turns into a wolf. He turns into like a yeah, werewolf. Yeah, again, another... And maybe at that point in the movie... Tom I was, Holland, I love this movie. I'm just... <laughs> it is a great... I love the movie. I'm probably going to watch it after we get done with this this show. But I... At that point, I was kind of scratching my little 12-year-old noggin like, what? What are we... What happened just now? But I was also like, let's just... Somebody stick a fork in this guy. He's done. Well, and then um, Charlie... Uh, not Charlie. Peter kicks um, Evil Ed down the banister, stabs him... And, you know, it's this very, like, tearful scene. Peter is crying and Evil Ed's dying. And you you have a little bit of remorse. 
Personally, for me, I would have loved to see Charlie go against Evil Ed. I think it would have meant more for Charlie to have for to sure. kill for sure. Evil it, Ed. It doesn't... I mean, I get... Like, I understand Peter Vincent's character realizes what he's done. I'm, I'm fighting this monster. I've killed this monster. But this monster is dead, and this it's turning back into this person... Who I've also had to kill. Like it was a it was a, yeah. a package deal. And he's remorseful. I, I get that. But you're right. Like Charlie having to do that deed would have been much more meaningful. For me, I'm like, if you're gonna squash a soda can, just get it over with. Like I don't I don't need I don't care who does it. Somebody step yeah. on it and get it done. And going to cutting away to the 2011 version, giving another nod to that movie, Charlie in that version actually does kill yes. Evil Ed. And it's a very bitter moment. In in that movie, you kind of get the sense that it wasn't Evil Ed in full control and he apologizes to Charlie. Did I need that in this movie? No. I very much am appreciative of how they went about it. But I, I think it would have made more sense for Charlie to go against Evil Dead or Evil Ed and kind of have that moment where he has to like... Evil Dead should be our next podcast movie. Oh this. my god. <laughs> I would Again, love that OG, OG Evil Dead, not remake. Not whatever was. that 2014 one was. That was, that was dark. That The remake of Evil Dead was dark. Again, just quick segue. I enjoyed Evil Dead. The original Evil Dead loved it, and the Evil Dead Two, and then Army of Darkness. Don't get me started. But um, when they brought, when they rebooted that bad boy, and I, I'm like, oh, like let's let's settle in, and then let's let's watch this. At this point, 2014, I'm a grown ass man. I'm like an adult, and I'm watching this, and I'm like, where's my mommy? This is <laughs> evil. This is this movie is. I watched. Evil. I watched it, and I was like, where's my Campbell? Bruce Campbell. <laughs> yeah, that movie. And then he, he appeared at the end of the movie for like two seconds. And I was like, I was yeah. like, okay, redeemable. Yeah. Um, Charlie has been thrown into a room and he's also found out that Amy has been turned. She's being turned really slow though. She's not immediately like evil Ed. Like, I guess she's, he only half bitter or something. Like he's toying I, with her. Who like knows? In, yeah, like in retrospect, I mean, it does, it, again, back to your point, it, it's kind of BS, the whole vampire rules. Like, what rules yeah. are we following? Because you bit Evil Ed, and he didn't even have time to change his socks, and he was a vampire already. He had yeah. teeth. And Amy's on this slow burn to change it, and then what's with her hair? Like, yeah, she's got fangs and the eyes and everything, but all of a sudden, she's got long hair, not the short bob. I was about it. <laughs> and, then, and it's like auburn, like a reddish-orange. What? What? Again, I'm shaking my head. I'm like... What I'm looking under the what's going on right now? Like I don't understand. Um, but I didn't get, I didn't really wonder about the slow change with Amy until after the like going back and watching it again and going. You just kind of like oh, yeah, that I was into it. Well, and you, but you at this point in the movie you're cheering for Charlie. Obviously, you want him to save his girlfriend and and defeat the bad guy, save the girl. You want you want all that. So and at that point in the movie they've got you all the ridiculous things they've showed you up to this point. They've Tom Tom Holland's totally got you in his net. And you're going to believe anything you put Yeah, and these last 30 minutes of the movie are just, in my personal opinion, like the best part because now Peter Vincent has come over and he's getting Charlie out of the room and then they come face to face with Billy Cole and I mean Peter, Peter Vincent point blank shoots him in the head and it does nothing because that's when you find out that he's not a vampire, he's like some kind of undead zombie. Exactly. And Charlie, this is when Charlie has to finally kill. Charlie stakes him right through the chest before um, he can toss Peter Vincent over the banister. Exactly. And that that's a cool death because it's so, like, icky. I wouldn't even say it's gory or gross. Mm-hmm. It's totally icky. Like, the he starts... The ooze and the, the skeleton. Yeah, it's like his face comes off and he's bleeding out and it's, he's, he's, he's kind of liquefying and it... 
And, and again, as a kid, you're watching this and you know you shouldn't be watching it. Like there's no, if my parents walked in right now, saw me watching this, I'm grounded. But this is amazing. It's awesome. It's so awesome. And then finally we get to the boss fight of the movie. It's Jerry versus the duo. Jerry has gone into his full vampire mode. They're fighting him. They have He's using Amy now to try and get to them. And then the sun is starting to come up. And Jerry's, like, backed into a corner. They got him by the cross. They're like, you're done for. He transforms into that giant bat, starts going for Charlie, and Peter just pushes him aside, pulls out the Glock again, and he goes, move! And you can, t- you can tell at this point, this is when Peter has kind of stepped up to be the main hero exactly. of the movie. Like, he's the Ash Williams of Fright Night at this point. For sure, and for sure. uh, Charlie's just damsel in distress. No, it's great. It, it, I love, again, the makeup... Jerry Dandridge as a vampire is super believable, super scary. His voice changed. It gets like more guttural and more deep. And it, you're just like, wow, he's he's a monster. He's a complete monster. You believe it. Um, <laughs> it is amazingly ridiculous when Peter Vincent's character, ju- yeah, just nonchalantly gives the Heisman to <laughs> to uh, to pull out his, his hand cannon and dispose of of the vampire it's it's amazing it's it's so ridiculous i can't say this enough i I can't overstate this it's so ridiculous but it's just the right amount of bs it's the perfect amount of bs oh my god it's in in my opinion it's like perfect and now after getting uh bat jerry off of peter they forced him into the basement like he's trying to go to his coffin they're chasing him down there um amy's going after charlie peter tries to stick jerry and like misses and just stakes him in the Come shoulder, on. and you get that iconic like him just moving up, bolting up straight up, yeah, which is uh, kind of a callback to the original Nosferatu, like oh yeah, when he would like do black it. and white movie when he would just stiff as a board, straight body up to his feet out of the cop. That was kind of cool, um, but uh, yeah, I, I did think it was another kind of a. What what you know you get that the squinty eyes like what's going on here? I, I watched that scene and I was just like I was about it. I was like I like it's a one second scene and it's him just popping up. But I'm like yes, yeah, it's, it's awesome. It's I was awesome. like vampire. Like, I can't believe Peter Vincent missed. Like it's it's not we're not we're not bullseye lawn prance with our T16 yeah. back home. It's not they're not much bigger than two meters. It's not that kind of like miracle shot to blow up the Death Star. It's a stake. It's in your hand. There he is. Boom. Yes, well, no. he opens his eyes for a second. I think that think, throws him off. It does. It also makes me think that Peter Vincent, you know, probably pees and misses. Like, he's the kind of guy that's, like, <laughs> checking his iPhone and trying to go in the toilet and he's getting it on the floor. And, and speaking of iPhones, like, how many vampire movies, I think Dust Till Dawn does it, There, where, how many vampire movies are there where the vampire is just in the throes of battle and then, oh, by the way, the sun's coming up. Oops. And and now he's trapped. Like, that happens every time. Can they not... Do vampires... Aren't they not like, hey, Siri, set a reminder <laughs> that I need to get into my cave an hour before the sun comes up. Like, gotta give it up. Well, I gotta get it up to the Lost Boys then, because they don't... Do they rely on the sunlight? They, they do not. That's a good yeah. one, because they... In fact, when they confront those vampires, they have to climb into beyond a cave. Like, they have to go to the into the depths of the earth to... To get at them, so yeah, good good on them for not falling into that typical cinema trap. So, like I was saying, the final battle's going down. Um, they start to use the sunlight against Jerry. Jerry's now trying to retreat upstairs, and there's a moment. It's 
a 15 second moment where Peter Vincent has blocked Jerry off, but he's he's defenseless. He's defenseless, but right behind him are curtains. And I love how it's Charlie who goes and opens the curtains and not Peter Vincent. I know at this point, Peter Vincent is kind of the superhero of the movie. But for me, the protagonist has always been Charlie. And it, and it needed to be Charlie who does this, who gets the final blow against Jerry. Because yeah. if Peter had done it, I mean, I still would have been all about it. But, like, Charlie lost his best friend. Like, he's been through all this. He needs to do it, and especially to save his girlfriend. Because when he opens that blind... Jerry Dandridge looks like he got tackled and thrown up against the wall. He's bleeding to death, or not bleeding, but I mean like exposing to death in the sun. He's well, ex- it's, it's like if you've ever experienced a hot dog exploding in your microwave, it's kind of that in slow motion, but the hot dog is a vampire. It, that's what happens. <laughs> like the sun just fully blasts him across the room up against the wall, and he's... He's being cooked, but he's also being torn apart, and he's kind of exploding. And his clothes are kind of—he's he's trying to change. His into, clothes are melting. He's trying to change into like a vampire bat monster kind of ish. It's just a—it's a very violent, a very rewarding victory and for it, Charlie. And in his final moments, he calls out for Amy. He's like Amy, and Charlie has to tackle Amy, who's yes. still who's still a vampire. But in that moment. Jerry explodes. Amy has turned back to normal. The group gives a big group hug. The next scene cuts to Charlie and Amy in bed once again. Really not watching Fright Night. Um, Peter Vincent is back being the host. I don't know. He must have had a really great story for why they kept him. Peter goes, tonight we will now be discussing aliens. And in the moment before Charlie goes to get it on, he looks out his window. And for, for a very quick second, he sees red eyes. Amy goes, are you okay? And he goes... I'm fine. Jumps back into Amy, start making out, and you just hear it. You get a wide shot of that house. It cuts to black. You see the eyes, and you hear, you're so cool, Brewster. And that's the end of the movie. Yep, exactly. So alluding to maybe Evil Ed is still out there. Maybe, maybe Evil Ed's still alive. Like, what's still, going on with the house? Exactly. Like, and, and again, classic uh, uh, movie situation where they're like, let's leave this a little open-ended in case it's a huge hit and we get a sequel. But... I, I think it, it, Charlie came full circle. At the end of the movie, he's looking outside. It's dark. He thinks he sees red eyes. He's got beautiful Marcy cute, Darcy, cute, uh, Marcy Darcy in his bed, and she's like, "Is everything okay?" And he does what he should have done in the first of the movie, which is like, "Eh, coffin schmoffin. I'm gonna jump in the sack with you. You're beautiful." So yeah, it was awesome. I, I again, this movie is is a classic like popcorn movie, like fun to watch. You're to the point where going back to when Charlie pulls those curtains to the side and the sun just completely blasts Jerry Dandridge, you're cheering at that point. You're like, yes, the vamp- the good guys are winning, the bad guys are losing. This is awesome. It's awesome. And after this movie ended, I mean, it's a hit. You have the Fright Night comic book coming out. There's a franchise now. Oh, Evil Ed might be alive, so what's next? Not the movie anyone wanted. You get Fright Night Part 2. Easily, in my opinion, still a good movie. But it has... It's almost a movie you don't want to acknowledge. And here's why. Uh, Charlie, first off, has gone to therapy to convince himself that Jerry wasn't a vampire. That's the opening to the movie. I wish that was a lie. They don't do anything with Evil Ed. It's now Jerry Dandridge's sister is after Charlie. Charlie has taken Amy's position as the damsel in distress while Charlie's new girlfriend is the Charlie of this movie. 
and she has to go help Peter Vincent. Peter Vincent tries to kill this woman on Fright Night, like during because it turns out that Jerry Dandridge's sister is now the new host of Fright Night. Coincidentally, um, the one thing I will say is they have a really she has a really fun like monster posse where there's a werewolf and like a kind of money right. deal. The I, I'll say that I'll, I'll give Fright Night to. They swung and missed, but the monsters in that one, they did, they did a good job with that. It's, it's like, couldn't we take those monsters and put those in the Friday night sequel that everybody wanted? Like the, the monsters were, yeah, there, there was, there were, they expanded on what they did in the first movie with the cool monsters and the gags as far as the makeup. But like Evil Ed in the first movie, I'm going to give it a two thumbs down to the Friday night two. Like, like I, I would... And what, I watched it once. I won't watch it. Well, again. what's crazy is the so the whole reason Tom Holland didn't come back for Friday Night Part Two is he was actually doing Child's Play at the time with Chris Sarandon, um, Williams Rag, not William Ragsdale because he was in that movie. The guy who plays Evil Ed actually went on to do the Dial Six 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 movie, so he couldn't come back. So they couldn't use that whole Evil Ed continuation that they had in the first movie. Marcy Darcy was doing. Uh, married with children. Right. She wasn't available because she was actually in the first draft of um, Fright Night Part 2. And so Charlie gets a whole new girlfriend. And it's just like... For, and to make matters worse, this movie didn't release in a lot of theaters because Columbia Pictures actually didn't release this movie. They sold it to a smaller studio owned by someone with the last name Menendez. Maybe you recognize that because it was the Menendez murders. Yeah. And... This movie was supposed to release around that time, and after this guy was murdered by his two sons, and yeah. they found out, they're like... The Menendez brothers, yeah. They were like, maybe this isn't the best time for us to release this movie. So they released it on VHS, and now Friday Night Part 2 is a movie that lives on cable. Yeah, part of me thinks that... Uh, Friday Night Part 2 is another movie that you could probably find on YouTube. In you entire, can, that's how I watched in its, it. In its entirety, no ads. That's very telling. Um... But yeah, it's it's also part of me wants to believe that they were like, yeah, we probably shouldn't release this movie because it's affiliated with the Menendez uh, brothers. But we also shouldn't release this movie because it's a real pile of dung. It's really bad. Well, even after that movie, um, Roddy McDowell was like, he loved Peter Vincent. I think for Roddy McDowell, it's a great character. He, yeah. It's a great character, and especially by the second movie, he's almost become a different Peter Vincent. Like he is, like he's about it. And they were in the works of making Fright Night 3, and they really wanted to do it. And he wanted Tom Holland to come back, and they were all about it. And then the Menendez murders happened, and any hope of Fright Night... That killed everything, yeah. Killed it, and then the closest thing we got Stank to... Stank right through the heart. That's, that's what and that then is. the next next Fright Night movie, obviously, comes out in 2011. Um, I love it. I don't love it as much as this movie, but it does have a very soft spot in my heart. I love Anton Yelton, uh, Rest in Peace, and Mick Lovin as Evil Ed was a creative choice for sure. And, um, yeah, guys, I mean, that's Fright Night. I again thank you guys for uh, listening to us talk about this movie. Um, for me, I guess I'm not kidding. Like I'm gonna watch this movie in the next 24 hours. That's how much I enjoy this movie. And it, I don't. I'm not a big hey, what's your favorite movie kind of guy. I, I've, I've got my top five, I guess. But um, it's right up there. It's Friday Night is right up there because it was so impressionable. Like when I was a kid and saw that movie poster and then saw the cover on the on the movie. And it was one of those first movies that was kind of a grown-up movie that my mom and dad brought home. And they're like, all right, we're going to let you watch this. And you better not come whining to us if you get nightmares. And I'm like, okay, sounds good. And I 
it completely over delivered for me. Like I wanted to be entertained. I wanted to be scared and it did all of the above. And it had uh, Amanda Beers who played Amy in it, who was completely hot. Really focusing on Amy Beers. <laughs> um, I don't know what it is about this movie. I bought it on Amazon for $5 this summer. I watched it once and we worked together. There was something like I was hypnotized. It's, it's a uh, vampirely by this movie. I watched it probably. Wait, not- wait, wait, wait. When you say you were hypnotized <laughs> in a vampiric way, was there hypnotic vampire sexy music playing? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I watched it maybe nine or ten times this summer. I forced my friends to watch it. I remember I watched. Your, you did. You literally. Did. I forced your wife to watch it on your birthday. We convinced her to watch it with us. True story. True story. And. I don't know. I've come to really love this movie. It's one of my top five favorite movies. And for me, I know in no way is this movie ever going to be perfect, but it's a 10 out of 10. Like, it delivers perfectly. I agree. I, and, and, and I think one of the reasons why this movie is a hit is because it's exactly what it's meant to be. If you turn on a movie like The Expendables, if you turn on um, uh, a movie... I'm, I'm, I'm losing my... Tra- um, Sex in the City, when they made that into a movie. Like, that movie is Vampire supposed to be... Vampire Sex in the City? It's, uh, <laughs> definitely not. Um, um, that movie is supposed to be one thing. It's appealing to a, a crowd, a group. Um, no one's going to get mad because uh, Sylvester Stallone and his performance in The Expendables isn't, you know, worthy of an Oscar. Like, it's fine. It's it's okay. Because that movie is exactly what it's supposed to be. And that's what Fright Night is. Fright Night is uh, a quirky albeit very scary horror movie it's a vampire movie so it's it, it it falls back on a classic ideology of vampires and stakes and the sun's coming up and and it's good against evil and that whole thing um and amy beers aside like 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 charlie brewster's character jerry jandridge the vampire peter vincent i'm telling you everyone in this movie it's a seamless like act like did they do the whole movie in one take? Like it, 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 it goes like a play. Like it's, it's so the conversations, the acting in it is so good. It seems second nature. Like it's really happening. And I, I like it's for me, it's, we've all got those movies that if you're doing chores at home, if you're trying to get homework done, whatever, you'll put a movie on in the background while you're doing X, Y, or Z. If I put Fright Night on in the movie or in the background while I was doing something, I would stop what I was doing and end up watching the movie. That's that good, and I'm I, I'll stand by that. I, I love it. I actually love the movie. Well, Tom Holland, uh, if you're listening, you're probably not, but who knows? Uh, you responded to a Twitter thing. What's going to be hilarious is if Spider Man Tom Holland is. Is, is, is on the set of Cherry 2 and he's watching <laughs> he's listening to the he's like man Cherry's kind of a, it's kind of tanking we need to get a sequel out quick but I'm going to check out this podcast real quick I was tagged in this wrong podcast wrong Tom Holland <laughs> wrong Tom Holland before I end the podcast I do want to say um, I follow Tom Holland on uh, Twitter and he's been posting a lot about how he currently has the rights back to Fright Night he wants to do a sequel called uh, Fright Night Resurrection um it might be a book. He really wants to get the cast back together for a movie. That would be interesting. I'd love to see how they use 3D stuff now instead of traditional. But regardless, I am I'm hype about it. Absolutely, want- now's the time. I mean, we've got Coming to America two coming out. I mean, how many Ghostbusters movies are there? They're probably somebody's out there trying to reboot the Police Academy movies. I'm sure. Like, why not? Like, let's let's do it. Well, not only that, and this is supposed to be the set the setup 
because this is the original setup to what Tom Holland wanted to do with Fright Night Part 2 was it was going to be about an older Charlie moving into his mom's house with his kids and it turns out next door Evil Ed has been alive this whole time and he's trying to resurrect uh, I can't Jerry wait Dangerous. To watch. See, I can't wait to and, watch that movie. you know, I'm making some assumptions here, but maybe he needs one of Charlie's kids and maybe it's a possession thing at this, at this point. Who knows? But, um... And I can't Charlie's, wait. And Charlie's married to Amy because... And he, and he is married to Amy. Because why wouldn't you... Have you seen... I mean, watch this movie and Amanda Beers is perfect. She just is. <laughs> I had to take a pause. I, we focused on her way too much today. I did not focus on. I focused on. I focused on Amanda Beers the exact right amount. That woman is amazing, and she deserves it. Guys, thank you so much for listening to Jake's Review Corner. Uh, my name is Jacob Daniel. I want to thank so much to Brian Jones, the BJ, for coming. This was, on. A, lot of, this was a lot of fun. Yeah, man, I enjoyed it. Thank you. And uh, maybe next time I'll have you on to talk about a very famous, very popular 1987 vampire movie known as Once Bitten starring Jim no it's the Lost Boys <laughs> it's the Lost Boys Jim Carrey that was that okay so did he do uh, was he on Living Color before that or after like that I day? think that I think How this was that, what's the timeline that was I think his first movie was, was Once, early days. Once Bitten yeah Once Bitten and I think it only came out like a month or two God, after Fright Night thanks for listening guys and until next time always remember one thing you're so cool Brewster <laughs>